Welcome to the All About You podcast. My name is Sheila and I am your host. In this podcast, I invite everyday people to tell their stories of their travels, passions and what makes them happy. So if you have a story to tell, please contact me on allaboutyoupodcast at yahoo.com and let's tell your story. So now for today's conversation. Welcome to another conversation on the All About You podcast. I think that many of us believe that we are beginning to see the light at the end of the pandemic situation and also learning to live in the new normal, but that can also be stressful. So with this in mind, I wanted to have a guest who can help us to find some peace in our day that is beneficial for both our physical and mental health. So I'm delighted to have as my guest, Kate Greenslade, who is a mindfulness life coach. And Kate is going to give us some pointers in how to incorporate mindfulness in our everyday life. So Kate, welcome to the All About You podcast. Thanks so much, Sheila. It's so nice to be here and have a conversation with you about such a great topic. (laughs) So Kate, if you would like to introduce yourself to everybody. Sure. So yeah, Sheila, as you mentioned, I'm a mindfulness coach. So I help individuals to have a more enjoyable experience of life in short. So I also train leaders and teams to to be able to feel more in charge of their workload, to be more resilient and and to be more creative and collaborative at work. Those are really important and uh, useful tools to have to make working more enjoyable as well so like the whole you know purpose really is to help people have a better relationship with their minds and to be able to kind of figure out their way in the world uh, in a way that makes sense to them and gives them more joy and happiness let's start off at the very beginning what is mindfulness good question (laughs) there is so much written about mindfulness these days Um, And unless you do not read any news or pick up a magazine or anything, um, you probably come across the word at some point. But there's quite a lot of misconception about what mindfulness is, how you practice it, and also the difference between mindfulness and meditation. Like, What is the difference? You know, and a lot of people get a bit, understandably, a bit confused about this. So mindfulness essentially is living with full awareness in the present moment without judgment and I'll go into what that means in a moment uh, in a little bit more detail Um, but the difference between meditation and mindfulness is where meditation is how we practice mindfulness in a sort of formal setting so imagine it's a bit like going to the gym for your mind you sit down in a formal meditation and you practice certain skills certain techniques in a meditation so that when we go out into the world, we can then apply these techniques to live mindfully. So it's kind of an extension of this idea that we are fully aware of what we're doing and therefore we have more choice and more freedom in our life. So the opposite of that would be when we're lost in thought. You know, we all know what that means, that what that feels like. Um, I guess an example of that would be we are driving home from the shops and we get home and we think, 
oh, how, how, how did I get here? I've got no recollection of the journey. I can't remember turning left or right or anything because I was lost in thought. I was worrying about what I've got to do tomorrow. I'm, I'm ruminating about this meeting I had yesterday that didn't go very well and it's really bothering me and all the other things in between. And so we get on, we sort of live a lot of our life like that on sort of automatic pilot as it's often referred to. And it means that we're then just sort of being led by our thoughts and our emotions. And we don't really have as much choice about what we wanna do, how we wanna feel, what we wanna focus our attention on, our energy, our thoughts on. So the practice of mindfulness really helps us to have a better handle on our thoughts and emotions on ourselves. And it gives us specific techniques to have a different perspective on life, be able to kind of extract ourselves, I suppose, from the sort of everyday stresses. You know, you mentioned going back to, to some sort of normal. It has actually triggered some stress for you. Obviously, that's very common. And a lot of people are feeling that way. Um, but one of the things that mindfulness helps us with in that respect is to be able to step back from those difficult, stressful feelings that that's that, that have arisen there, to understand where that's come from, maybe get some perspective on that, sort of really unpick what's happening, what's the fears there, what's reality, what's really happening, because often in this auto autopilot state that we live in, we can often find ourselves living in our minds either in the past or in the future which means that we're not really living in the moment right now. We're not, we're not, uh, yeah, I'm just looking out my window now and noticing the beautiful color of the sky. And if I smell the air, I'm, I'm now aware of what that smells like. And if I check in with my body, I can do a quick check and tell what temperature I'm at or if my feet are hurting, if I need to change my shoes or maybe I need to um, open a window. So, we miss so much by worrying about tomorrow and concerning ourselves with yesterday. So that's in a nutshell. <laughs> I mean, just listening to what you're saying there, Kate, we are always thinking in the future, what's the next thing I'm going to do after this? What have I got to do at five o'clock? What am I doing tonight? What am I doing tomorrow? We are on autopilot. Obviously, we, I knew I was having this conversation with you and I just thought, why don't I make the time to sit in a chair and read a book with a cup of tea to say, right, for 30 minutes, this is what I'm going to try and do every day this week. Let's try Let's start small today. And then when I look at my diary, I think you've got to be joking. <laughs> this is sort of the first full week I guess and my ballet classes started and my Spanish classes started and all these different things I'm thinking this is ridiculous I'm trying to sort of carve out half an hour to sit with a cup of tea and, and read a book and it's it's crazy because you look at the diary and you think well I've got to do this I've got to do that and, and it's all sort of time sensitive things yeah we're, we're just always on autopilot aren't we 
Yeah, and I think a really important point that you bring up is always on the go. We are we fill our diary. It's almost like a a habit or an addiction. You know, we feel like if we're not busy, then we're not working hard enough. For example, at work, you know, working hard means you know running yourself into the ragged into the ground ten hours a day. You know, da da da. And if we're not working uh, at the moment. It's still just filling every moment with something, every every day with stuff. And there seems, you know, in society, there's this sort of idea that has been told to us is, is constantly on, you know, in advertising that this is how we get our worth. You know, if we're busy and we're doing a lot of stuff, then we're, we're worth it. We're good. You know, that's correct way to live. But what's happening with that idea is that everyone is just burning out. And are we actually enjoying half the stuff we're doing? I mean, I imagine if you looked at your calendar and was really, really honest, you could probably scrub out half of that stuff. And it's, you know, part of what mindfulness helps us with is that real sort of clarity, that sort of that lens we can look through saying, do I really want to do whatever X or Y? Do I need to do it? And do I need to do it then? (laughs) So it's sort of like these different questions we can we can ask ourselves and be really honest and and some of the answers I would say can bring up some discomfort you know when I started to really intentionally put more space into my life it felt uncomfortable you know I'm not gonna lie about that of course because I was also used to being on that train of do 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 and I had my own business with my husband for 10 years before I became a mindfulness coach and I was busy all the time particularly when you work for yourself, I think there's that sort of guilt that creeps in. Well, if I'm not doing something for my business, really the only thing I should be doing is sleeping, (laughs) you know, and even when you're out with friends, you might be thinking about a marketing campaign or, you know, it's just ridiculous and it seeps into everything. So I found with that, that wasn't making me happy. In fact, it was doing the opposite, making me decidedly unhappy. And by adding intentional space, like I think some people call it like white space, mm-hmm. when we put that in our calendars, I sort of love that phrase. And it can be awkward because we're not used to sitting quietly by ourselves, with ourselves. Our minds are whirring 100 miles an hour all the time. But we feel well, what we can find is that the more time we spend sitting and accepting some silence and peace and quiet, just who we are accepting ourselves the easier it is to do that and then the more you start craving it I think it's very interesting you brought up the white space because I'm very much a planner you know I I look at my diet right this is what I'm doing a a black a sort of an empty page for me is my idea of hell because I'm one of these people I work better if I've got time things that have to be done that that makes me sort of happy And I came across this concept reading an article about planning and it said about creating this white space in in your daily diary. And I just thought, how come I've never heard of this before? It makes so much sense. And the white space literally could be, right, my white space, I sit down with a cup of tea and I read a, a chapter of my book. It's so simple But in reality, and that's where you're going to come in, Kate, (laughs) how do we actually do this white space? Well, that that first step to any of this stuff is awareness. We've got to be aware. We've got to be conscious. It's another way that 
another word that, that's interchangeable with, with being mindful, being aware, being conscious, is that the opposite of being an autopilot. When we're lost in thought, we're lost. We are not present. So when we're not present, we can't see things any differently from they are. We just are in the problem or we're in the worry, in the anxiety. So as soon as we become aware, we can start to notice those things. And rather than being that anxiety, we can then observe the anxiety and we can observe those difficult, stressful thoughts or critical thoughts. You know, we've all got an inner critic that's, you know, whirring away most of the time. And if we, we really become aware of that, we can start to just notice it with curiosity. We can notice it with some kindness, actually. You know, we're so hard on ourselves all the time, you know, judging ourselves. And that also means that we judge others. You know, we just do it as a natural thing. Our brains want to judge. They want to find problems. They want, you know, they are looking for danger, you know, on an evolutionary uh, level. Our brains have got their own job going on, you know, as animals. And obviously the, the world that we live in these days, we don't need that quite so much. So what happens is they start judging yeah, everything around us instead, where we're living, how we're living, who we're hanging out with, our family, obviously, and us. And if we identify too much with those thoughts and those judgments, that's when we can really start to feel just, well, not great. You know, we can feel depressed, we can feel anxious, and just, yeah, really stressed out and sort of think, what, you know, what's going on? What, what life am I living here? What's, you know, is this really it? And I think a lot of people that I work with kind of got to that point of like, I do need something. I'm not sure what it is. It's maybe not therapy, but it's, I need another way to be because this isn't working. And so, you know, you mentioned, how can we do that? And going back to that first step of awareness is really just sitting being aware which is why meditation is a, a key the sort of essence of this returning to awareness and being just noticing what's going on and accepting it accepting what's happening without judgment so that was the second piece going back to what mindfulness is noticing without judgment in the present moment and it sounds super simple <laughs> but it's pretty difficult to to achieve like I said, because our minds are always off doing something else. They want to do something else. Um, so it is a you're creating new habits to think in a different way, essentially. When you were speaking and you were talking about our inner critic, a lot of us will work on a to-do list. And, you know, we start the day and we've got, I don't know, 10 things on our to-do list. We might get three or four done we would not congratulate ourselves on doing the three. We would rather have a, a rant at ourselves because you haven't completed everything or you've only completed three. Instead of being kind to ourselves, because we would never speak to anybody else the way we speak to ourselves. And if we could say, okay, you had eight things on your list, you only did three of them, well, you've done three. And in theory, as long as they are the most important things, then great. You know, we just don't know what's going to come in the course of a day. So as much as you have your day planned out, life happens. As you were saying, it's showing kindness to yourself. That's one thing we don't naturally do. The mindfulness would be a good way to start. Okay, I'm going to be kind to myself. You didn't get all eight things done, Sheila, but you got three things done. 
Be happy with what you've done. You can control all the other things that were going on, but showing kindness to ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's crucial. So one thing that's just comes out of that is the expectation that we have all of ourselves. If we remove expectation, it is what it is. You've done three things out of eight. That's a fact. It's the added story that we that we put on that is the thing that we can really suffer from. Oh, look, you've only done three things out of eight. You're so lazy. What have you been doing all day? Da, 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 da. And on it goes, you know, we've all done that. And but actually just looking at, OK, I've done three out of, out of eight. Um, I'll try and get number four and five done tomorrow. That's it. Finish. No more story. No more. doesn't matter. I don't need to be criti- critical, even even sort of being, you know, praising it or just accepting okay that's what I've done and I'm sort of happy with that and that's that I think the other thing that that came up is being realistic about how long things take you know there's so many things as you mentioned are out of our control you know there might be one thing on our to-do list that requires input from five other people for example And that is not very much not in our control. So it might take us three weeks to to complete one task because we're waiting on other people. And like you say, life happens and et cetera, et cetera. And so it's extracting that meaning and that value from that how many things you've done on your to-do list each day. It's not, it doesn't show what you're like as a person, who you are, your, your value in this world, you know, and it's really being aware of that. And again, always going back to awareness. Oh, I'm noticing I'm having these thoughts. I'm noticing I'm thinking, uh, you know, negatively about the fact I've only done three things out of eight. Okay, so I'm noticing that. Going to give that a moment. I'm going to be kind. And also one of the things about really being truly mindful is, coming back to the present moment I mean that is where life exists it's the only place that life exists in this present moment so we use the body we use our environment to as sort of anchors to come back the breath you know obviously a lot of people talk about using the breath and there's a reason for that it's because it's always with you and it's also automatic and we have some charge over it it's a very unique system so the breath is a perfect way to connect back to the present moment, take some deep breaths, and then just begin again with whatever it is that you're doing. I mean, I think, Kate, when you are talking about being in the present, there's nothing we can change about the past. That's done and dusted, right or wrong. The future is in our heads. To a certain extent, there's nothing we can do. We can prepare for the future. We can plan to a certain extent. But as you say, bringing yourself back to that present often when we feel we are getting a bit wrapped up in the voices in our head or we're feeling stressed we often feel that in the body you know you might feel a tightening in the chest or a knot in your stomach we often feel that in our body so I can see how okay let's just take a a minute or so and breathe is going to get that oxygen in the body and it's hopefully going to make that stomach feel a bit calmer. I mean, we all know stress is just awful for everything. And if you're constantly having that, a way to get rid of it, I mean, I'm I'm sort of thinking if somebody's sitting in an office, just take yourself to the loo or to the corridor and just take some breaths. Just, yeah, I can see that. 
Definitely. I mean, even at your desk, you know, no one needs to see that you're, no one can even notice even that you're breathing deeply for a few breaths and maybe close your eyes or, or even just sort of look down, you know, away from any notes or the screen, just, mm. just for a moment and just take a few moments to breathe. And the reason that connecting to the breath is so useful is because the system is connected to the nervous system. And as you, as you quite rightly explain, you know, stress feels awful, of course, you know, that our, our bodies are constantly communicating with us through the language of sensation and pain. That is how they communicate with us. So if we don't listen to what it's saying, we've got no chance of helping out what's happening. There's always information to be listened to. And the more we can listen and accept any sensation, the easier and sort of smoother it sort of flows through your body. You know, I mean, if everyone, I can imagine everybody that's listening to this has had a moment when they felt nervous about something and perhaps they've noticed that in their stomach, uh, a little turning over, you know, we're a bit nervous about whatever it is, some high pressure situation or a difficult situation. It will present in your body and you will have noticed that at some point. But the more we can kind of really focus on that, it's almost going towards it rather than away. You know, a lot of our, in our lives, in our daily lives, a lot of the stuff that we're presented with all day from social media, advertising, TV, whatever, is a distraction. It's taking ourselves away from ourselves. And what we want to do is connect deeper and understand ourselves better because there's peace there. You know, we actually, you know, that inner peace does exist, but we just bury it with all this crap that we think we need, we think we should be doing. Again, going back to, you know, your busy calendar and, and mine for that matter, there are things in there that I think I should be doing, but I don't want to do them. And I probably don't need to do them. And I think if we're all honest with ourselves, we could probably cut out a few of those things. Brings me on to that idea about saying no and how we say no with kindness, which is a really, really important skill to have. And I think a lot of people, again, me included, I found it difficult in the past to say no. And when we continually do that and put ourselves below other people, we can build up resentment. And even if we're not connected to that resentment, our bodies will be feeling it. Maybe we get knots in our um, shoulders or maybe we just get really short tempered and irritable or we can't sleep, but it will come out. It will squeak out in some way because it always does. I think this is really, really interesting. You talking about this very small word, no. It's a tiny word. It's two letters. But we're always a little bit frightened of saying no. So if somebody asks you, can you go somewhere? Can you do something? Can you whatever? Maybe you have an initial reaction. Oh, yeah, I quite fancy doing that. It's a definite yes. But if we're not sure... And I was reading this article the other day, and it's, it's brilliant you've brought this up. And it said, instead of saying yes or no on the spot, thank the person for the invitation and say, let me check, I'll come back to you. That gives you the time to sit down and go, okay, is this something I really want to do? If it's something you really want to do, you'll find room in your calendar to do it and, and you go ahead and do it. If you don't want to do it, it's just giving you a grace period to say to yourself, okay, is this something I really want to do? Is it easy for me to do? Or does it mean I've got to juggle other things to do it? Am I 
going to do it because to please this other person more than me. And just by saying, okay, let me come back to you, which nobody will think anything bad of you. And it just gives you that grace period to really think, is this what I really want to do? Or am I doing it for the sake of the other person? So I think what you're saying is just so valuable. I think it's a really powerful thing to be able to say no with kindness, obviously, because it makes your yeses more significant as well. So there's two things there. I think it gives you giving yourself that pause again with everything, you know, not just when someone's asked you if if you can do something or if you want to hang out with them or whatever it is, that pause sort of through the day when you just need a moment like we don't stop ever and you know thinking about trying to multitask you know whether this is in your job or just at home with you know life admin which seems to seems to increase every year what what is that (laughs) just so much to do and if we're trying to do too many things at the same time we're not really doing any of them very well. We're not doing any of them with our full attention or awareness or ability for that. You know, we are more, it's been, you know, there's so many studies, you know, to show that, you know, by using mindfulness practices, i.e. to be really returned to the present moment and be truly aware of what you're doing right now, like we're doing now. So we're in this conversation. I'm 100% focused on what we're talking about. I'm not trying to write an email while you're talking. I'm not, well, whatever it is, tidying my desk at the same time. You know, I'm doing one thing. And what we find is that when we do one thing with full awareness, we do it better. It's more effective and it probably takes less time. I mean, you know, try this out, play around with it and and see see how that feels. Um, But, you know, in the morning, particularly, uh, you know, what comes to mind is, you know, pottering around the house and we're trying to um, unload the dishwasher while we're trying to eat toast and we're trying to talk to our partners about something or we're trying to look up something on our phone. It's like it's like this sort of chaotic juggling and that can leave us just feeling rushed and uh, just all over the place, you know. So by doing one of each of those things separately probably won't take more time, but you'll feel less dragged along by life. <laughs> As soon as you're out of bed, you're doing three or four things at once. And I, I know that's exactly how I start my day. But I think women particularly, while the kettle is boiling, we're doing three or four things to get ourselves ahead in the rest of the, the, the day. But that's not a good way to begin your day because obviously, you know, as the day goes on, speed ramps up and the phone starts ringing and emails start coming in. I mean, I'd hate to think what it's like in the average office these days. Well, I think that's a really good point about, you know, as the day goes on, things ramp up and, you know, it gets busier and busier. I think one of the things that mindfulness has taught me and, and certainly, you know, the teams that I work with is that it's a choice about how you show up to your work and how you do each task that you have to do. Of course, there are times when we have to use our cognitive mind to plan things, to you know do certain things of course but it's doing them with intention and with full awareness and taking the time that you want for them you know there's that great idea of you know the different concepts of time I mean time obviously is kind of made up and we've made up this this clock that we go by and it's so restrictive but also 
I think if we just put that aside for a moment, because that's probably a whole other podcast to talk about time, but um, just that thought that I've got the time I want to spend on this. Like I make half an hour every morning to have a coffee because I want to spend that time just kind of waking up, being quiet, enjoying my coffee, taste actually tasting it rather than just chucking it down my neck as I'm driving to work or wherever I'm going. And that is a choice that I have made. And therefore I, I make time for that. So if you really want to have that half an hour with your cup of tea and your book, you will make time for it because we do make time for the things that, that we really want to do in the end. But in order to do that, to get to that point, that journey is being aware, okay, hang on, what's my, what's my day feeling like without that half an hour with a cup of tea and a book? Actually, it's feeling quite chaotic. It's feeling rushed. I feel like I'm doing all this stuff for other people. Where's, where's me in this? And, you know, it's kind of going back to those, you know, simple quotes, obviously, that people, people say about how you spend your day is how you spend your life. It's simple, but it's so true. And it can really kind of pull us up and make us be conscious and think, how am I spending my days? How am I spending my week? Yeah, that is your life. This is your life. And you do have more choices than you think you do. Social media has just escalated time incredibly. I mean, we've all got our life on our phone. And I know, you know, my husband and I, we're watching a TV program, the adverts come on, we both pick up our phone, we go through Facebook, we go through Instagram, the program starts, we put our phones down. And the other day, and I said to him, that, that's it, this is just, it's, it's almost like I caught myself red handed. <laughs> and I thought, oh, my God, what are you doing And I thought, absolutely no. So I said to my husband, and I mean, this is the good influence you are on me. I said to my husband, okay, after dinner tonight, weather permitting, because we're due to have a storm tonight, I'm going to go for a walk. And I've put it on my to-do list and it's going to be ticked off, even if the other things don't, because it's too easy to sit after dinner, scrolling or watching TV. And I thought, no, I'm going to, have a coffee, and then I'm going to go for a walk. And, and I'm really looking forward to that because it's, I'm not going to be watching TV. And I'm just, you know, who's about, what's the weather like, what's been going on, you know, just generally, probably only going to be for half an hour. But that's what I plan to do this evening, because I think that's just a nice way to end the day, particularly so many people are having problems with sleeping. And Mm. as much as we have a sleep routine for babies and children, adults, we are trying to override that because we can watch TV till late at night. We can have social media or, you know, you can have a couple of glasses of wine. None of that is being particularly helpful with our sleep. And I, I know for myself, if I watch a lot of TV in the evening, maybe three programs, it affects my sleep. So I'm thinking, right, by going for this walk, have a nice walk after dinner, apparently it's good for the digestion. You know, you're not watching the TV, you haven't got your phone with you and and just see what's going on. As you say, be aware of your surroundings and and take that half hour. Yeah, it's a lovely idea. I'd love to hear how that feels actually when you've done that and what, what, if any, difference that makes. 
I think it's also really important to, like you said, you were saying, oh, may, I, you know, I might not do that five nights in a row, but you know, I, I, this is what I want to do. I intend to do this. I think what's really helpful with, with sort of being mindful, i.e. being fully aware of what you're doing, is it, again, does give you this choice. If you want to have four glasses of wine and watch Netflix till two in the morning, do that. But be aware of what that feels like. Be conscious of when you're, you know, how that, how that feels at the time. Do it purposefully. Because when we do things purposefully and we do them with intention and we do them with our full awareness, we can get a different experience of them. I do this exercise uh, right at the beginning of a mindfulness course that I run where we eat a piece of fruit with full awareness and it's guided I guide I guide people through it it takes maybe five minutes to eat one piece of fruit um and so you no, no one's ever eaten a piece of fruit like that before you know we look at it first we smell it we use all of our senses it takes a long time and it's incredible the different experience that you get from doing that and I'm not saying you know obviously we totally slow down how we eat things it would take us two hours to eat a meal but what it does is it reminds us that if we are fully present, there's a lot more of a sort of rich experience of life that is waiting for us. It's right there in front of us. It's there. And like you, you know, you say with your walk, that's outside your door, you know, that's around the corner, up the road. Who knows who you're going to meet? That's again, linking back to expectations, just letting go of any expectations. Just see what happens. Be in the present moment. Just be there. Yeah, it can be, can be wonderful. I mean, another thing that I started doing in the summer, which I found was quite a nice thing to do, is sitting and having my lunch, but having some nice, gentle, classical music playing. And I just found a YouTube video on my phone and I found I was eating slower. Mm. I found I was really, I mean, it was a salad I'd made myself and I was just listening to the music, but really sort of looking at the textures and the colours and what I'd actually put in the salad, where it's come from and how it's grown, that type of thing. And I caught myself doing that and I just thought I've actually started to really look, how many different colours have I got in this salad? How many different textures? What could I add to the salad that would sort of make it a little bit different? But it was just listening to the music, eating slower. I, I swear it took me twice as long to eat my lunch. I felt really full after it. And I guess that's the stomach and the brain connection catching up with itself. And it was just a totally different lunch experience. Mm. That's amazing, isn't it? And that is the, uh, the only thing that's different that you're Ooh. describing there yeah. is you're fully present with it. You were there, not writing emails, not trying to mm. talk to someone else or whatever. And you're, you're you in the salad with your lovely music in the background. Yeah, absolutely. And it was just, I was eating slower. It just really was a good experience. Mm. When when we start to start to use mindfulness more, more and more, you know, we might be meditating once a day, just even ten minutes a day. It's oh, it's this over 6,000 studies now to show the benefits of meditating. So I highly recommend trying it. If you've not, there's tons of apps that you can, can try, you know, free ones, all sorts. And, and, and then really kind of just making that, just making a bit, a few moments through the day to really consider 
it's all like a little check-in okay how am I feeling right now okay whatever whatever's present is fine total acceptance it's just curiosity okay this is what I'm feeling how's my body feeling what's going on what sensations are present one of my clients I remember had this terrible pain in his neck and after a few weeks of doing these sessions he discovered exactly what was the problem it was that his chair was too high and I mean that sounds like a simple thing right but in for years he'd been sitting in the same chair on the same desk with this pain in his neck but from increasing his body awareness which is what he was doing he discovered oh yeah I can't quite my toe like my toes are on my tippy toes you know so he just lowered his chair and his neck pain went away so you know these things it doesn't need to be sort of enormous transformations in our life but those things mean that we can change our experience of the everyday and just you know they can be tweaks here and there that mean that you feel different you know they could be small changes but they have a big impact just going to maybe mention something about relationships because this is like a such a such an important thing possibly the most important thing you know for humans we make connections with friends family colleagues and one of the things that mindfulness helps us to do is to be present with another person and can de- we can deepen our connection to other people just by listening not jumping in waiting to speak which obviously we all do we've all been guilty of that I'm sure of it someone saying something you're like oh yeah, yeah I want to say this and we're not really truly listening to them what they're saying and also how they're saying it so we're not really picking up as much as we could be around how they're feeling about things or their emotions and you know so it's kind of getting that full picture and really being there with someone and um yeah that is such a gift and it can really take take any relationship whether it's a friendship or a marriage or with your children to a really different level quite amazing I mean Kate I'm just blown away by this check in with yourself every so often check in how am I feeling you know how is my body have I got any tension anywhere am I feeling thirsty am I feeling tired um, particularly a lot of people in front of a computer or, or desk do I need to just get up and stretch and maybe walk around a bit it's that checking in every so often I, I think is is brilliant yes it's simple to do it's not rocket science just check in with your body what are you doing how are you feeling H- how are you at that point I mean we ask other people how they are but do we ever mm. ask ourselves exactly it's it, like you said it's simple but the trick is to do it you know that is the difficult bit is to remember to do it even if you think yeah that's a great thing I'm definitely doing that a day can go come and go in a flash as we all know and so you know the practice let's say the the mindfulness practice is to to become aware enough to remember to keep doing it you know and change only happens with repetition you know you've got to keep doing it to form a new habit and then it becomes habitual and then the automatic thing is actually checking in with yourself and becoming a uh, being aware and conscious not being lost in thought so you can switch that state by regular practice and that's how you know the meditation really helps to kind of ground that that sense of awareness and, and, and what you're doing and then really you've got choice brings us choice and freedom in our life yeah my my shoulders are really tense right I need to either take a break or maybe a longer break I need a holiday or I need some massages or maybe I need to be I need to do some yoga 
definitely a way to help to understand yourself better and listen to yourself better. Like you mentioned, am I hungry? Am I thirsty? Am I tired? These are really key things that we ignore a lot, <laughs> you know, and then we end, we ignore them, we ignore them, we ignore them. Oh, and now we're cranky. And then I'm shouting at my husband. It's like, I could have fixed this an hour ago and just got a drink and maybe had a little 10 minute sit down and outside, but I've left it because I feel this pressure to just keep going and keep going. Oh, but I've just got these other emails to do. Oh, now someone's asked me this. Well, can it wait? Mm, yeah, maybe. Okay. But I think that's it. It's checking in with your body as well as with your mind. It's almost like having a conversation with yourself. Uh, if we go back to the to-do list, okay, Shirley, you didn't complete everything, but give yourself a pat on the back and a gold star because you got sort of the three most important things done. But it's been showing kindness to ourselves. It's being kind to ourselves. And, and we often go back to this busyness where we would say to somebody how are you and they would say fine now apparently we're all saying busy busy has replaced the new fine and oh you're busy we're all busy whether you've got children whether you've got a business whether you're retired whatever most people are busy which is good for some people but as you say there comes a point where being busy is detrimental to our physical and our mental health so if we can have this physical and mental check-in, just how are you feeling, Sheila? How's your mind going? Do you need to get a drink? Do you need to stretch for a minute? Get in touch with ourselves more during the day. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's so true, isn't it, that we kind of use this busyness as a bit of a badge of honour and it's kind of slowly killing us. And, do you know, no one ever looks back at their life and says, oh, I wish I was more busy. <laughs> Um, I wasn't busy enough it's like definitely don't really want these things and you know one of the things that's come out of you know becoming a mindfulness coach for me is I've really been able to create and design the life I want without guilt and for sure sometimes it creeps in well that sort of old voice you know that would come yeah. in oh what, what, what you think you take you can take Fridays off now oh you think you're gonna do that yeah like, no 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 this is how I want to live my life because life is short and then we die so I can decide what brings me joy how I can help other people what means something to me how I want to feel like no one ever asks themselves how do you want to feel this week okay so how are you going to get to that what 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 are you going to do to to get to those feelings we don't take any enough time on ourselves like you said you know being kind we slip down that list and then time runs out <laughs> but that is brilliant though Kate isn't it you know how do I want to feel this week what do I want to do for me this week I'm sure if you and I went through our to-do list today there's very little on there for us actually things we want to do whether it's you want to have a conversation with a family member or, or you want to go out and buy yourself some new shoes or something. There's probably very little on that list that is for us in a nurturing, kind way. Because on our to-do list is like the house, the shopping, the kids, the family, the work, the business, X, Y, Z. Is there anything on there I want to sit down and finish a, a creative project or I want to get my nails done or I want to have, you know, a half hour nap or something. That's probably not on anyone's to-do list. 
No, those great things never are. It's such a shame, isn't it? Also, you know, it's one thing saying, well, yeah, I would really like to, I'd really like to, whatever, I'll go for a little walk today on my own or have a nap. Uh, naps are great. As many naps as people can have, I highly recommend naps. But yeah, whatever it is that you want to do. It's always, oh, but I've, but I've got to do this, but I've got to do that. And I think that's where coming back to that sense of really being aware really being honest and getting a perspective on on life and what you are doing do you really have to do that right now obviously some things are time sensitive of course you know you've got to pick your kid up from school at three but are there other ways that you can uh modify some of these things or ask for help you know we are terrible at asking for help if someone else does the shopping well they might not do it the way you like like it to be done they might forget a couple of things but is it the end of the world no does it mean you can have a nap yes okay well that's great for me (laughs) so it's it's really being honest responsibility being honest with the choices that you really do have and then acting acting on acting on it you know being being bold and saying you know what I'm not doing the shopping anymore you you know it's your turn with kindness obviously (laughs) I mean, I think that is a very valid point. You said asking for help. If we ask someone for help and if they can help us, that relieves the pressure on us. And for another person to feel that you've actually helped somebody out, that's a great feeling. And that's good for your mental and physical health. I mean, it, it really, you know, when we feel we've done something good, it releases endorphins in our body. But as you say, we're not very good at saying to somebody, oh, when you're in the supermarket, can you just grab me a couple of bits as well? I mean, I'm sure they, you could do the same for them, but we're not very good at this asking for help when it is actually a win-win for, for both parties. Yeah. And I used to be terrible at asking for help. And, and that can also sound quite loaded and, and serious about asking for help. You know, it can be as simple as, can you book the restaurant for the weekend? Because I'm, yeah, that would be really helpful if you could do that. People definitely like helping or when they offer, not saying no, uh, sometimes just giving that space and thinking, okay, yeah, that would be really nice. Like that has always been really awkward for me. Um, and it never occurred to me that actually what you're also doing with that when you say no to someone when they're offering help is you're kind of denying the other person the opportunity to be kind to you like you said and so so actually you're also missing out on an opportunity to connect deeper with that person because when we when we are kind to each other you know it reciprocates you're creating significance and you're deepening that connection yeah so it's all really really important to do that and it can be uncomfortable but just try it out and the more you do it the more comfortable it becomes. I mean, this conversation has been absolutely fascinating, Kate. Just to finish off, can you give us just one thing that we can all try and incorporate in our day for the next week? Can you just give us a a simple action point that we can all do? Only going to take a few minutes, but something we can say, okay, this week I'm going to try and do this as many times this week as I can, just one action point. There's one which is really about the body. It's connect, you've got to connect back to the body in order to really listen fully to what's going on to your whole self. You know, you're made up of this incredible complex intelligence and we often only listen to our thoughts, but actually there's a whole lot of other stuff going on. So a grounding practice, 
when everything maybe just feels a little bit too much, when you're just feeling a bit stressed, a bit chaotic, a bit rushed, is to just take one minute and do this grounding practice. So you stand up and get sort of steady if you need to hold on to the back of a chair or the wall. Close your eyes if you feel comfortable doing so, or you could lower your gaze and just take a moment to sort of steady yourself and then become aware of your feet and then very slowly work your way up, being becoming aware of each part of your body as you slowly scan up from your feet and you'll slowly reach your head. And this really can take as long as you want. If you want to take 10 minutes doing it, brilliant. You could, but it can be a minute really out of your day. So it can be fit, fitted in anywhere. So what it does, it just gives you a little reset and you'll just notice, if you notice each part of your body, how it's feeling without judgment, with curiosity, with an open mind, it's just seeing what's there. Your body's already responding. It's, it's living, it's doing something. There are sensations in our body all the time. So what we're doing is we're just checking in with those sensations and just noticing how we're feeling. That can include also your emotions. So you've got body scan. When you get to the head, you might start noticing, okay, what's, how's my mind behaving right now as well? Is it clear? Is it calm? Is it busy? Is it a bit chaotic? How am I feeling? What are my emotions doing right now? And from there, then you can make some, some choices. I feel relaxed just listening to you. <laughs> that's simple isn't it I mean you can just take a minute and as you say do a full body scan and the thing is we often separate our physical health and our mental health but everything's connected because Mm -hmm. if you're having a stressful day that's you're going to feel that in your body you know maybe if you haven't slept well you're going to feel that in you know your mind's going to feel tired your body's going to feel heavy and sluggish They are so connected. So just to have that scan from literally your feet up into your mind, how's your body feeling and and how's your brain feeling? I mean, that is so powerful. And that's just a minute. Yeah, it's. um, I think these things, they can seem, oh, there's no point. It's just a minute. I'll I'll do the scan later. Or we just sort of forget. We think, oh, it's pointless. But really intending to, to give it a go will give you a certain experience. It'll give you a different experience from just sort of sitting there and plowing on with your day or, oh, I'll do it later. Just, just, you know, I would invite everybody to try it once or twice and just see how you feel. And it might be that you just notice, you know what, I can't, I can't, can't concentrate. My mind is so, so kind of busy and thinking about what I've got to do next. I can't do that. And that's also information you know you've now you're now aware okay your mind's really busy maybe you need something else maybe actually a lovely massage or maybe you need deeper break you know a longer a longer rest or something else might work actually going for a run physical exercise is great for just sort of cutting that thinking mind off at the past you know when we just need a bit of break going for a swim or a a run or something we can do this in a regular on a regular basis long term that's got to keep your physical and mental health better than if you're just plowing on regardless and not realizing you're holding stress in your shoulders or as as you were saying the gentleman who had the, the neck pain even if we start off once a day so okay every day at three o'clock I'm just going to take a minute do a scan see what's checking in over a period of time, if we can build that into sort of, you know, once every day, 
and just keep going with that, it's going to make us more aware of our body, more aware of our mind. And hopefully, long term, that's going to have beneficial effects. Definitely. And like you're saying with your salad, um, it's such a great example, because when you do that with one thing or in one area of your life, it's difficult not to do it in a different another area because we we live in patterns. You know, you'll know you'll start noticing patterns if you behave in a certain way with something. You're probably likely to behave in that way with something else. Um, our body just learns in patterns, and this is how we behave. We're habitual creatures. So by creating this new habit it will leak into other things. It might be that, yeah, you're then having dinner with someone and you just feel more aware and more present in that moment. And therefore there's more possibilities. Like it can go in different directions. Yeah, well, there's so much more to say, but. (laughs) I think we're going to have to have you back for part two, Kate. (laughs) Oh, that would be a pleasure. Yeah, I think we've just scratched the surface, but I, I very much like the fact that If we can start just doing this body scan on a regular basis, it would be interesting to see what comes up. Just taking that one and everybody can take one minute. Everybody can take one minute a day and just see what comes up. And I think what will happen, we'll become a bit more inquisitive. We'll say, okay, well, that's how I felt at four o'clock. Oh, I wonder if I did it at 10 o'clock in the morning, would it be different? And I think we'll start saying, okay, in the mornings, I feel more stressed than maybe four o'clock in the afternoon or vice versa. So I think sort of having a play about with the times and if you can do it two different times during the day, I think it'd be interesting to see what comes up Mm. for each person. Kate, thank you so much. Brilliant. Yeah. Well, it's been a real pleasure and hopefully some little tips in there or just some things to think about to start. Yeah. Start thinking about these, these different concepts and techniques. So Kate, thank you very much indeed for being a guest on the all about you podcast. Thank you. I hope you have enjoyed the conversation. Don't forget if you have a story you would like to tell, please get in touch. My email address is allaboutyoupodcast at yahoo.com and thank you for listening.